Welcome to the Daikaiju Network Podcast, where we have a very healthy obsession with kaiju. I am your co-host, Kent, and with me is your other co-host. Jason, how's it going, peeps? All right, so episode 122, here we are again. We are uh, discussing another Godzilla anime. I tell you, it seems like yesterday we were talking about the first one, because that first anime came out roughly around this time last year. And yeah, here we are at the conclusion of what's arguably one of the more contentious oddly enough, Godzilla uh, entries in the series. Not just this particular movie, but this entire anime trilogy. So um, I just thought before we begin, uh, those of you who may be watching or listening probably have already noticed, uh, I posted some photos yesterday on our uh, Facebook page. Yeah, I saw that uh, the other day. Yeah, Uh, apparently, and uh, I guess this is spoilers, I have not heard any of the rumors as far as what this is or what it's supposed to mean within the context of the film, but apparently one of the spoilers with the toys is a fire or burning burning Godzilla. So, yeah, uh, I've been looking at some of the uh, YouTube channels out there discussing uh, the film itself, and there I've watch particular videos where they kind of discussed potential rumors of a burning Godzilla where one of the scenes in the most recent trailer to Godzilla King of the Monsters kind of indicates or pointing towards uh, that whole uh, rumor. And when I was looking at that one figure that showed that certain Godzilla figure, which I think kind of increased that rumor or sort of say confirmation towards a burning Godzilla. But um, whenever that movie comes out, we can definitely know for certain what that whole thing is about. My fear, though, I'm just hoping it's not like um, um, some sort of pull a um pull an ability out of your butt type of thing uh, like you see at the end of Gamera 2 the Heisei uh film like I like I told one of our um page followers they were saying you know this is a spoiler for many and I go well yeah it is for me but I'm like it's still it is something that I find to be incredibly interesting because I don't know exactly what it means or how it's going to be be used. I have not heard any rumors. Part of it, it, outside of just being busy in my own day-to-day life and just not having the time to really go around searching the internet, looking for rumors and other things related to not just this movie, but really anything else. Um, I I have no clue. And to me, I think it's still going to be a surprise as far as when it happens in the movie because – when it comes to certain things that I've been exposed to advertently or inadvertently, there are times when I go to the theater and I either forget that spoiler or I still remember that spoiler, but I don't know exactly how it's going to play out within the context of the film. And I think this is going to be something where, um, I may forget, but even if I go into the theater remembering that at some point this is coming up, probably towards the end of the film, um, I'm still going to be shocked because as of right now, uh, I know it's coming. 
Uh, but I don't know how it's going to come about. I don't know if this is some sort of like ability that Godzilla can just summon with within him or what it is and how it's going to be used. So it's still going to be, I think, a, a real nice surprise. Um, and really, like I've been saying for years on this podcast and like I've said elsewhere out in Internet land where I have, a, you know, a, a bully pul- pulpit, so to speak. I've been telling people when it comes to things like novels and movies and all that. I, I just want to be entertained. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm not someone who, when it comes to spoilers, gets all upset about that, I guess. Um, but I understand why some people would, but you know, like I said, I just want a fun film and at least judging from the trailers, I think it's going to be an incredibly fun film. Yeah. There's at least a couple of theories from what I've heard uh, when I'm diving into this sort of rumors that uh, Godzilla faces King Ghidorah and then gets badly injured and everything. This is kind of where you'll see Godzilla in this whole underground cavern where uh, Sarazawa comes up to him and see him in the the last two trailers. And, uh, And then one of the scenes in that... I think in the first trailer where we see that underground cavern just explode. And I think that this is a potential of uh, the military or monarch using a nuclear device to revive Godzilla in some sort of way to feed him. And thus kind of giving him uh, like all this new energy kind of what we've seen in the most recent trailer and possibly this new um, nuclear explosion that they give to Godzilla probably gives him this uh, new ability to maybe increase temperature, kind of giving him that uh, burning Godzilla look. But uh, that's just one of the theories from what I've heard. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be shocked. I, I figured it had something to do with sort of the stereotypical approach in films where you have a hero and then a baddie and then they get beat up badly and then they got to go regroup for a moment and then, you know, then something happens. They either retrain, you know, that something happens to where they come back stronger. You know, it's not the most, uh, you know, original idea, so to speak, when it comes to uh, film. But, you know, as long as it's done in a manner that that is appropriate for the film, I don't mind it. Yeah. So and then there uh, have been other rumors of other kaiju in there besides Mothra, Rodan, and King Ghidorah and uh, Michael Doherty has I think kind of confirmed it. Uh, Don't quote me on that Uh, because you see in some some of the scenes in the the new trailer where you see these legs coming out from the desert and then that one mountain just moving and everything. A lot of people have said that uh, oh, could be Anguirus and Kamakras and uh, to me, in my opinion, and from what others have said, that uh, it would probably be a little bit costly for Legendary to uh, potentially grab more. And plus, they didn't actually confirm anything when they were announcing that uh, Ghidorah uh, 
what is it, Rodan and Mothra were going to be in this movie. So, um, to me and some of the others out there have uh, kind of this uh, think that uh, Legendary is at least creating some of their own new monsters to kind of uh, face off against possibly Ghidorah, Mothra, or Rodan just to kind of show their uh, power slash strength, see how powerful those monsters are. Yeah, I mean, you know, just because they didn't announce it doesn't mean that they did that they didn't purchase they could, other licenses, but they could have done it secretly just to keep it hidden in a way. But you may yeah, know. I, I, you know, but I, I think it's a good thing that if they are doing it, I, I like the whole idea of new kaiju being created uh, because I've been, that's been something I've been saying for quite a while is that I don't mind older kaiju, um, you know, or familiar kaiju coming up in different films. The thing is, is that after a while, it gets to be stale because a lot of the stuff repeats itself, especially at least when it came to the Toho Godzilla films, because we, we really saw it quite frequently throughout the Millennium films where certain things from previous films were, were repeated um, in terms of the approach to the final battle and how certain kaiju went about fighting each other. And that was something that while you know the kaiju themselves were maybe updated to some degree in in their appearance the the fights themselves didn't really change a whole lot now with legendary uh with you know the was it the four monsters that we know are in this film yeah they're all a little bit different in terms of their look but at the same time you know you can definitely tell you can be like okay can King Ghidorah looks very similar to what Toho's done in the past. Same thing with Rodan, Mothra, Godzilla, etc. Um, but at the same time, too, uh, I think what's great is that because you're getting a different culture, uh, basically a Western culture approaching these films, mm-hmm. that injects some different and new life into into these fights but still at the same time the fact it is still that okay we've seen this before what this particular movie is even though it's called godzilla king of the monsters this is a more updated version of Ghidorah, the three-headed monster basically 64 and it's like we've still seen this before i'm okay with that because again, we're getting a different studio doing this. It's they're having a different take on it, which is great. This franchise is in desperate need of injecting new life, which has been when we talk about Planet Eater here in a moment. You know, as everybody knows, I'm a huge fan of, of the anime trilogy mainly because it is so wonderfully different. It's it's not something we've seen before, even out of Toho, um, and. At the, it, it just I'm I'm wanting new kaiju, and one of the reasons why I love Godzilla 2000 so much, outside the fact that I personally believe it has some of the best miniature work out of the Millennium series, that I think it has some of the best acting and some of the best writing out of the Millennium series. Um, one of the things that I enjoy about it so much is that you get a new kaiju villain in Orga. Sure, yes, that final form of Orga, uh, the suit is 
relatively stiff and all that, but the whole idea behind Orga, his origins and how he comes into being within uh, his physical form and that final fight and everything, it's really fresh and new for the Godzilla franchise at that moment. And that's one of the reasons, too, why I love that film so much. You get a different kaiju in there. And X Megaguirus, that was a film for a while when I first saw it, I didn't care for it. And a lot of it had to do more with the fact that um, I thought the human characters were real were a real letdown in that film. But then as time has gone on and I've watched that film more, I've warmed up to the characters. I still don't think they're great, but I still like the movie more. And as I've watched it more through the years, I have tended to really dig more of the kaiju scenes. Mm-hmm. Especially with Megaguirus, because again, Megaguirus is something totally different that that we've seen in the franchise, and that's one of the things that I really enjoy. Yes, forget the fact that the Megaguirus prop is stiff as a board, and you know it's not mobile, but the fact that it's a dragonfly that has certain abilities we've never seen in a Godzilla villain before, even up to this very moment in time. Um, I really love that, and. It's just like, okay, yeah, I can go along with the human story. It's still not the greatest, but I love the kaiju scenes now because it, it's so refreshing. It's like, okay, now we have another movie with King Ghidorah. I can kind of tell you more or less what's going to happen in this fight, etc. So it just, it, it's one of those things where I know a lot of people enjoy having uh, some of the old kaiju come back. I do like that but as an old saying goes familiarity breeds contempt and i'm at that point in my personal fandom where it's just like i need something new in this series and i don't mind if you bring back old kaiju but you need to really do something different and that's what the good segue i guess into planet eater that's what planet eater and really this whole anime trilogy has done you get familiar kaiju in godzilla Mechagodzilla and King Ghidorah, but you really change them. And that's the thing. It's like, do something different. Do something fresh with these characters and or bring in some completely new kaiju characters. So um, with that, let's just go ahead, dive into Planet Eater. I will start with a plot overview of Godzilla Planet Eater. The movie opens up within moments after the conclusion of the previous movie. Godzilla is in a state of rest. Metfees tells Haruo that they have a god that can kill Godzilla, but the only reason why this plan wasn't implemented sooner was that they needed as many people as possible to hate Godzilla so much that their hatred would summon their god. Metfees, along with an elder... Uh, is he Billa Saludo? Who? Metfees. No, he's uh, the Exif. Exif. Okay. Metfees, along with an elder Exif on the sh- ship above the earth, uh, gather followers to pray to their god so it'll come and kill Godzilla. That god, of course, is Ghidorah. It comes and kills many on earth and crushes the ship in space. Godzilla awakens and Ghidorah comes down via three orbs in the sky. Ghidorah is three separate is three serpent-like creatures that arrived via a portal from another dimension. Initially, Ghidorah is able to attack Godzilla without having to have damage inflicted to it due to its ability to bend space. 
Metfis continues to persuade Haruo to join in the sacrifice, but Haruo resists. He's put under hypnosis by Metfis, where Metfis tries to manipulate Haruo. Metfis reveals that, yes, while Ghidorah destroyed his world, he and his people have revered the creature as a god, and some of them were spared to be used as sacrifices and Ghidorah's eyes for the planets Ghidorah would eventually destroy, including Earth. Eventually, Haru comes to and destroys Metfi's right eye, which was used to guide Ghidorah. This makes Ghidorah mortal, and Godzilla is now able to destroy the three serpents. He also destroys the three orbs in which the creature arrived from. The dawn arrives and Metfis is on death's door. He tells Haruo that as long as he's alive, Ghidorah will be watching. Haruo mourns the loss of Metfis. Montage is played showing how former Earthlings and current uh, native Earthlings begin to recover from the attacks and start growing communities. Haruo, however, still has hatred for Godzilla. He takes Yuko on a reconstructed reconstructed vulture ship built from nanometals towards Godzilla. Godzilla destroys the ship, killing Haruo and Yuko. The movie comes to a close, and a post-credit sequence shows natives and children honoring Haruo with a statue. All right, let's get into our discussion here. Um, one of the things that I kind of wondered um, throughout the previous two films as I watched them, um, I did kind of wonder if Metfis and and his particular race were maybe up to something. Yeah, because I, I know. didn't know what, but I <laughs> wondered if they would have something to do eventually in the story. Yeah, because I know uh, the last time when we were uh, going over a uh, city on the edge of battle and we were kind of discussing uh, kind of our assumption of what the third movie was going to happen. And I kind of discussed that uh, with that little coin that uh, Metfis has. I think it had something to do uh, with Ghidorah and everything. And I think there, and I mentioned something about all of this. And, uh, and pretty much uh, kind of my entire assumption of what happened uh, pretty much came to fruition, but a lot more. I was kind of surprised of what actually happened uh, throughout this movie. Yeah, I didn't actually think maybe he was going to be sort of he and, and his people, the Exif, were more or less. Um, what's the word or term I'm looking for? Sort of the um, initiators of this plan that went down the entire time, going back to earth and then basically setting everything up in motion or letting certain things happen to a point where Ghidorah could be summoned. And one of the things that I enjoy about this whole guiding Ghidorah and being this planet eater, planet destroyer is that, uh, anyone who remembers sort of Ghidorah's backstory from the Showa era in that this was a 
kaiju that went from planet to planet destroying it and that's exactly what's happening here with this version of Ghidorah so I'm kind of like oh maybe the XC for actual aliens even during the Showa era even though they were never mentioned maybe they were guiding Ghidorah you know I know that's not true but you know the the fanboy in me is kind of like oh you know that actually plays very well you know that's sort of a callback at least to the Showa era Ghidorah in which this is a destroyer of worlds but here you have a race of people that are helping to guide it and set um, events into motion that allow for those planets to eventually be destroyed by Ghidorah. I've really found that to be kind of a neat little uh, connection with um, the Showa films. And uh, one of the things here is that at the very beginning of the film here, where that uh, one scientist was kind of uh, theorizing that uh, the way that uh, all these monsters on Earth were rebirthed and everything with nuclear weapons and everything that uh, he was thinking that uh, humanity was guided to do uh, to give uh, the rebirth of these monsters and everything else uh, that happened thereafter so that kind of also plays into what you were just talking about mm-hmm and another thing I want to say that I had mentioned towards the end of our discussion of that second uh, anime episode or anime film is that uh, I remember saying, I bet Mothra is going to show up. And she does, albeit it's a very short uh, moment. And, uh, you know, you don't really see much in the way of detail. You only just see the silhouette. Yeah. But nevertheless, She's technically in the film, so. <laughs> yeah. The, the only thing is that you don't actually uh, see her in the, like, the reality of that uh, whole film universe, but just in uh, Haru's consciousness mm-hmm. there when they were, uh, with, I think, oh, I forget her name of, uh, was it Rianne? And then that one scientist guy trying to transmit uh, their uh thoughts to horror just to get the message uh across to him there Mm -hmm. and one thing that i predicted that i thought would happen that actually didn't i had predicted that i thought we would actually see mecha godzilla this time that's kind of what i i think i was thinking about that too that we would actually uh, see him in with the Bella Saludos and uh, the humans too, trying to come together and trying to help out, mm-hmm. trying to you know help Godzilla and try to destroy Ghidorah. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Because my theory, you know, was sort of like, okay, well, they were maybe initially going to build Mechagodzilla to fight Godzilla, but then when Ghidorah comes, basically Mechagodzilla's teamed up with Godzilla to help fight King Ghidorah. And then from there, maybe Godzilla destroys Mech Godzilla. They have a brief fight or something like that. Um, but of course that didn't happen. Um, what did you make of Ghidorah um, actually being more or less just three individual serpent creatures and not really basically, uh, you know, being like what we've known Ghidorah to be, you know, basically a, a winged dragon with three heads on a big bulky body. 
Well, I know we do see a silhouette at least a few times of him as a full body version. We do, yeah. Uh, but but we, in and, that, we never actually see that within the actual fight itself. Right. Uh, you know, we just only see three, like, really long-headed, uh, kind of serpent-like of Ghidorah going, coming through, I think, supposedly this uh, void or black holes heck are stationed in the sky and everything and uh, the way it was designed uh, is pretty unique uh, there's multiple eyes you can say on the head of these uh, three serpent headed uh, Ghidorahs and yeah it's 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 a really unique um interesting take on uh the character itself and i don't quite have enough words at this time on how to describe it i know i was uh i've been planning on making a little blog on daikajunetwork.com maybe today or tomorrow on my thoughts on the entire uh Godzilla anime trilogy and uh, probably would have some more thoughts uh, on it of the design of Ghidorah but um, yeah it's it's a, a really unique um, look uh, or design and um, it, I think it kind of breathes new life to that character itself yeah, um, it's I, I still personally am not exactly sure uh, as far as what to make of it fully still. I'm not, that's not to say that uh, there's a part of me that dislikes it. It's just that it's so different mm-hmm. uh, that I'm not entirely sure what to make of it. It's sort of like um, my feelings on Mechagodzilla when we got that second anime film out here odd number of months ago where I was like, oh, I thought we were actually eventually going to get the the full machine. I thought, okay, well, then maybe we were going to get it in this film. And then since we didn't, it's just like, okay, what do I think of Mechagodzilla now? And it's just like, well, yeah, Mechagodzilla was in the movie, but not in the robot walking form that we've been known to know this mechanical uh creature creature in quotes uh by over many decades worth of of films and so with king Ghidorah, i really love the fact that this is a creature from another dimension this is a creature that uh as we see within the film as it's attacking Godzilla is very powerful. That's something that I've always uh, been frustrated with, um, with practically every incarnation of Ghidra that Toho has brought out. That's, you know, if you go back and listen to uh, previous podcasts and even podcasts where we reviewed films that had King Ghidorah in it, one of my biggest gripes with that character has always been this character is supposedly Godzilla's arch nemesis but this character has never shown ever outside of maybe the Kaiser form which even then some people debate whether or not that's a actual good like King Ghidorah of sorts but this character has never really shown to be at least Godzilla's equal it's always been 
Godzilla's inferior opponent. That's why for years I've always said, I personally believe Mechagodzilla to be Godzilla's arch nemesis because Mechagodzilla time and again has proven to be a much more, um, a, 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 a more prominent physical powerful opponent than King Ghidorah. And I think definitely that changed here with this film. And I think it's going to change with this upcoming film here in what may. And uh, so that had me excited about that with the actual design and all that. I really like that. I mean, yeah, I got reminders of Amanda, of course, uh, yeah. with this. but at the same time, the fact that this dragon comes through a different, um, portal through another dimension and then it comes also down through three separate orbs in the sky and even that causes some chaos on the surface of the earth i found that to be really interesting in fact i find that to make Ghidorah more intimidating because not only is godzilla significantly bigger in this anime trilogy but obviously Ghidorah is too and having three separate orbs at various points in the sky means that this creature is it, it can cover significant amounts of area and the fact is though too and we may never know because the films never described it is Ghidorah in terms of its size or the length of its body or necks or whatever you want to call them is it infinite or is it finite still yeah. and that's one of the things that I find intimidating about this Ghidorah is that it is not a single body creature. It comes down from three separate locations and it can come around and wrap you up like an anaconda or, you know, a boa constrictor and, and what have you. And they have their own uh, unique powers that we're used to having Ghidorah have over the f- previous films within the franchise. Um, I like it. I don't know if I'm necessarily in love with it, at least at this moment in time, but I do like it. Well, and I think the other things that make this iteration of Ghidorah more intimidating is that uh, with it being from another dimension that uh, it, our universe is, uh, is it rules and everything uh, don't apply to uh, its whole physical being mm-hmm. in that it can bend, bend space. Uh, both time and space uh, from what yeah. we've seen from the from the Artrum uh, segment there of the film. And uh, it can uh, it can't be physically be touched or anything of the sorts unless the only way you can do that is uh, shatter that uh, one token that Mephis has, which uh, of course Haruro does, and then once that's uh, that token is broken, uh, then that whole uh, space and time bending and our rules from this universe will then apply to Ghidorah and it can be physically touched and everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, with that being said, I think some of those uh, things that are applied to Ghidorah makes what is what makes that character so intimidating in this film. 
Yeah, and that's one of the things that's been very consistent with this anime trilogy is that um, with the uh, exception of the Servum, which are dangerous creatures, they aren't incredibly large creatures like your Godzilla, like Mechagodzilla City, and even King Ghidorah, but your larger Caillou, your Godzilla, King Ghidorah, and Mechagodzilla City, they the way that they... The, the, the powers and the abilities that they have are powers and abilities that are incredibly powerful. The nanometal capabilities of Mechagodzilla City, I mean, are extraordinary. And then the fact that Godzilla himself is, is a creature that has been able to reproduce many times over, but then also prove to have this shield about itself that is incredibly hard to... Um, take down and the fact that uh, it's able to really it, to just take everything thrown at it including what Mechagodzilla City threw at it in the previous film and even for a while when Ghidorah is attacking Godzilla um, you know it's biting Godzilla trying to disable its shields it takes Ghidorah even a while to disable those shields enough to even start uh, inflicting harm on Godzilla and then taking sucking out its energy and then that of course moves into Ghidorah again uh, a kaiju that's able to take down Godzilla shields it takes a bit but it's still able to take them down without having to do too much mm -hmm. and it sucks its energy um, and, and all that I mean the, the kaiju that are in this trilogy are incredibly powerful and that's what I like there's no inconsistencies here and they uh, have some of the similar abilities that we're used to these kaiju having but they bring about um, new unique abilities or maybe amplified abilities that they've had before and that just makes them significantly more powerful and that's something that I really enjoy about this is that it's a completely new take but at the same time these familiar kaiju are just they're beefed up and it's not like okay Mechagodzilla is weaker than Godzilla and King Ghidorah is weaker than Godzilla it's not doing a GFW type thing where Godzilla right. is this hulking beast and everybody else is just fodder um, every kaiju is beefed up and has unique abilities to fight one another mm -hmm. and it's uh, that's something I've really enjoyed throughout this entire trilogy because it, it it just it makes every single kaiju on the same level, but each kaiju has separate abilities that are pros and cons against the others, and that's something that I uh, that I really love, and that's something that I think sadly most fans uh, have failed to notice is that there's been this consistency with the kaiju uh, being all beefed up and, and powerful um, within this trilogy, and I thought that would be something most fans would enjoy because it seems like at least when I go through various Godzilla groups and pages on social media, especially Facebook, it seems like everybody every once in a while is talking about what is the most powerful Godzilla, and then you, you know, be, a lot of people recently have been still talking about, well, is it Shin Godzilla, is it GFW Godzilla, you know, or, or even Burning Godzilla, because Burning Godzilla has the ability to, like, blow up or melt down and take everything with it. Um, you know, and, and I really thought that at least for a certain sect of the, the kaiju fandom, this would be something that would really um, be of 
unique interests to them uh, because it just seems like that particular discussion comes up every so many months or, or what have you in the in the kaiju community like which got once once every year from the from the sounds of it when, whenever when we go to uh, g fest every year yeah and um yeah it just it, it just seems like that always comes up and i think um since you kind of mentioned that um is it i think let's see with with the conclusion of this whole anime trilogy and if you uh now if you can compare this godzilla with the other iterations of godzilla's from the past films um and even the legendary one i would say that this anime version is probably the most powerful one. I probably would even say by far. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's the outside of size. I mean, as of right now, yes, it's the biggest Godzilla well, size ever, yeah, but on top of that in terms of abilities and more importantly than anything else, just being able to take a beating uh, that in and of itself, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, I think with its hide here, I think it's I would say is probably the toughest uh, skin to penetrate. I would even say far tougher than the Shin Godzilla iteration. Don't even bring that film up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sometimes you got to compare it. It's not a Godzilla film. (laughs) I'm just talking Um, about the character of Godzilla. I know. Um, I thought it was a shocking ending uh, again. And I think we brought this up. Yeah. I, I didn't really expect this kind of ending. I thought that they would potentially rebuild maybe just underground, obviously with Godzilla roaming around the planet, but uh, you know, kind of integrating with some of the technology that they've uh, scoured, but it was actually quite the opposite. One of the the thing though that I really didn't think of until like five ten minutes after I got done watching, I started thinking about the movie a little bit, was that basically nothing happens to Godzilla other than the fact that the survivors just again have to live alongside Godzilla. Mm-hmm. So in a in a way that leaves an open enough ending to where if someone wanted to come in and continue the anime trilogy story, they could because the last time we see the anime Godzilla is when he destroys Haruo and Yuko in that vulture and that's it. Like Godzilla isn't in a sleep stasis, he's not killed or transported to another dimension or whatever. He's alive and well on on the planet so it's just like okay it'd be interesting how humanity moves forward are they still going to try to create cities knowing the fact that godzilla is still here uh, like it, it's interesting because then my brain started rushing as far as like okay they, technically they could continue this story if they wanted to because they're you didn't kill godzilla or, or whatever so i i find that to be interesting that they left it on that note well and then with the post credit scene itself it was actually taking far into the future where we see either was it rian or mina uh sitting there and really aged you can see like the lines and wrinkles on uh, one of their faces there so it's far into the future where basically we don't even see the former 
uh, human beings, you know, with the, like the scientists and soldiers and everything. And it's just all it is is just the the current uh, human race that have lived on that planet for thousands of years. I thought it was interesting for the first time ever in any Godzilla film. We have people talking about intercourse and (laughs) you have being pursued by those twin girls and one of them you know just takes off her clothes right in front of him and offers herself to him he turns her down but (laughs) then has sex with her sister a while later it's well weird but well basically (laughs) mina was the one that uh helped him uh get medicated or uh from the first film (laughs) from the first film you know uh healing all his wounds and everything and all that stuff that's kind of how led up to but yeah yeah i i think this this has to be the first first time in the godzilla franchise where something like like this sort of situation occurs yeah Interesting. <laughs> I thought Metface's monologue is really intriguing with giving oh, yeah. background on his people and why he's doing what he's doing and not to mention his methods of attempting to manipulate Haruo into being uh, sort of the ultimate sacrifice that would eventually help Ghidorah kill Godzilla should Haruo sacrifice himself like those people, and which also all- leads me into... One of the creepiest moments I've ever seen in film, and it's done really well because I, when I still think about it, I get a little goose bump, bumpy about it where the people are just fed up with Godzilla and they start praying to Ghidorah and then Ghidorah, like the spirit at least, comes through and starts taking people's arms or taking part of their heads off. Yeah, I was fairly surprised at that whole thing. I was like, holy shit. That's, those are the, I said that out loud. I was sitting in my chair and that came out and they were showing, you know, the shadow of Ghidorah coming out of that stone and I was already starting to get goosebumps. I'm like, oh, this is creepy. I like it. And then it starts taking limbs off. You see people's arms or legs, part of their head coming off. And I'm like, holy shit. (laughs) I actually sat there in my chair and said that out loud. I was not expecting that, but I like it. (laughs) Yeah. And then that one scene where uh, Mephi's takes his right eye out and places it with that uh, token coin. And, you know, when they were kind of alluding up to that point, you see his uh, hands and part of his uh, like sleeve was covered in blood. It's like something, something happened. And like the, the he, camera, like, like the camera was, and the camera was getting cl- like closing in on that one left hand there, you know, with that movement. And it's like so, something's up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so graphic, but at the same time, I love it because, again, you know, some people may be turned off by that, but again, uh, Again, my personal battle cry on this podcast for almost the eight years that we've been doing it, or actually the eight years we have been doing it, has always been, yeah, my battle cry has been, sure, more Godzilla movies is good, unless you're Shin Godzilla, uh, but 
I'm wanting something new. Give me something different because the Millennium Series outside of G2000 and even then that had a similar typical uh, formula to it, but it was different enough in certain respects. Same thing with Mega Curious. Um and even GMK, but GMK's execution just was not the best and their characters were sloppy. Um, but I really thought, give me something new. Give me something different all around. And that's what this entire trilogy has done. Basically, top to bottom, every just practically everything about it is so new and different. And, you know, here it gets a little bit more violent and a little more gory. And I'm not saying that, you know, I love all that gore. In fact, I'm actually the opposite anymore. As I've gotten older, it's harder for me to like take gore uh, and all that stuff just because it kind of makes me a little sick to my stomach. But the way it's presented here is unique. And it, it's just like, this is so creepy because again, you have these, this alien race, which is, you know, being the, the, the guys for King Ghidorah and the King Ghidorah actually needs to kill people to become strong and to eventually show up on that planet to destroy it. It's just, it's wonderful because GMK tried to make, um, really all those kaiju including godzilla gods of sorts and you had uh baragon mothra and king Ghidorah being the the um, earth protector gods and while unique in terms of concept my problem has always been that the execution within that movie uh, of that flat. concept it fell incredibly flat it was not done really all that well and what this anime trilogy has done or at least this particular entry with king Ghidorah, it's realized that and realized that to a level that works it's creepy it does make Ghidorah invincible up until that token is destroyed and then he becomes part of the actual world he isn't able to bend space and time anymore he becomes part of the actual physical reality mm -hmm. so that godzilla can now destroy him um that's i mean it's just my mind is blown that just how some of these concepts uh like Ghidorah being a god or just a kaiju being a god while having been done before but it's actually executed well this time mm -hmm. and and it's not uh that whole god concept wasn't uh created on earth it was uh created by a completely different race and Ghidorah isn't wasn't part of earth to begin with but part of this whole different dimension so they just kind of like what you were talking about, they probably took bits and parts of that whole uh, God concept from maybe from GMK, but then just rewritten it uh, completely different to kind of fit what they were trying to do with this entire trilogy. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I really like, and I love a good story, and as I've gotten older, I love a lot of... Um, interesting 
um, philosophical dialogue. Like uh, if anybody has watched the classic Twilight Zone series, there are some episodes where there are decent stretches of dialogue where they talk about certain philosophical um, concepts. And that's always, especially as I've gotten older, has continued to really intrigue me. And you get that quite a bit even in this anime trilogy. And I've always enjoyed it because I feel like unlike a lot of films that are out there, not just Godzilla films, but just movies in general, I feel like a lot of films do padding, that there are certain things you could take out and you wouldn't really change much, if anything at all, with the film except the runtime. With this anime trilogy, and I believe I said it when we talked about either the second film or maybe even the first film, maybe even both, um, I have said that really every single second of these films matters uh, because you have material that helps to explain the story, helps build story arc, helps set things, helps sets, uh, or, or even foreshadows, and maybe even sets up events that are yet to come. And then everything is eventually tied up. Everything, every single second matters. And those two movies, and I know uh, fans that I uh, have read various comments on social media have said that one of their issues with at least the first two films is the fact that they're so dense, that there's so much talking and stuff like that. And I've responded to some of those comments saying, but that's what makes this particular iteration of the Godzilla character or universe so unique is that you get all this information and it's a totally new world and you need this information because some this stuff will eventually pay off as we move closer to the end of this series or trilogy. And it all matters because it's something different. This is something that's never been done within the Godzilla franchise before. You can't just open up and try to bare bones it as best as you can. And basically doing the same formula over and over again with, you know, all, all with it just being monster battles. And that's basically what people are looking forward to. I think they're just really not used to a whole lot of human interaction or right. the whole human side of a story. Basically what this entire trilogy has been mainly focused on. Yeah. And I'm not saying that they are wrong to maybe uh, want um, more kaiju battles. I'm not saying that they're wrong. It's just that this is something different uh, and you have to go with it. If you still try to do the best you can to go with it and it's still not your cup of tea, then that's fine. But I've noticed some people, especially after this planet eater, they, I think, hate watched it. They already made up their minds that this trilogy is something that they don't like, but went ahead and watched this final installment anyway, just so that they can go ahead and hate on it. Uh, But one of the things that for me, like with Shin Godzilla, I'm not a fan of that. And I went, saw that film in the theaters, and I was really excited for it. And I went with the concept uh, with it, but because, and I really tried, and I've seen that movie five or six times outside of theaters. And every time I try to go with it, I try to go with its, with its story concept and everything, but still at the, when the credits roll, I'm like, that is not 
a Godzilla film. That is not even a good Godzilla film. And it's like I try to give the film its premise and I still can't go along with it uh, because I do have certain issues with it. But one of the interesting things I find to be so unique, I, I, I find the fandom, I find watching the fandom and seeing the reactions to Shin Godzilla, but then also this anime trilogy. And I find it funny because some of the things the anime trilogy does in being different and unique are some of the same things that they praised were made Shin Godzilla so great. Yeah, because Shin yeah. Godzilla also is kind of heavily focused on the human side of the story and a lot of talking. There's there. very little Godzilla action, and yet everybody loves um Everybody loves that film. I would argue, though, the difference between Shin Godzilla and this anime Godzilla is that Shin Godzilla, the characters still aren't fully formed. We don't get a much, if any, of a background on practically all of your main characters. And on top of that, you there's really no one to root for because each and every single one of those characters is sort of grotesque in a way because of things that they try to do to gain um uh uh, uh like a higher status within the government or in their positions of of work um they they're all ugly people because their motivations every buddy and has sort of negative motivations in the big grand scheme of things you don't have a hero and i'm not saying you have to have a pure black and white i'm not saying that i like complex characters but when you don't have certain characters that even try to be good but maybe still stumble now and then that i have a problem with and that's the problem with one of the main problems i have with shin godzilla the human characters there's nobody to even remotely like with um the, the anime Godzilla, you have characters that have good story arcs. With most of our main characters, you do get enough of a backstory to understand where they're coming from and why they're doing what they're doing. Haruo especially, he's been our eyes and ears more or less throughout this entire trilogy. And we do see his backstory. In fact, we see his backstory multiple times throughout this this three-movie trilogy. That's really redundant, th these three movies. Um, and on top of that, you see him having complications and issues and struggles, making some bad decisions here and there in terms of executing certain plans to attack Godzilla. We even see some characters who we thought were good guys like in uh, City on the Edge of Battle, who actually, towards the end of that particular movie, became villains and mm -hmm. providing certain twists and turns and well, sort of realistic takes on the human characters. And that's something that I really love is that we get better characterizations, we get uh, better story arcs, completed story arcs, and you actually get some individuals in this movie who you can root for even though they are still flawed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I really got nothing else uh, to add uh, on that. On that note, basically, you kind of uh, <laughs> kind of pretty much taking care of everything. Yeah. And when I talked about um, in our final episode uh, uh, of the year here just a couple weeks ago, I, I reviewed the uh, soundtrack, the score, by Maestro Takeyuki Hattori. 
And I remember saying how much I really enjoyed that score and how I love the music that that is arguably, at least when it comes to uh, Godzilla films that he scored, that is arguably his best um, uh, work up to this point. Uh, I don't know if he'll end up doing any more Godzilla films or not, time will tell. But uh, I was saying that that was a great listening experience. It's one that you can actually listen to by itself and have a lot of fun with it. And I was anxious to see how it was going to work within the film. And I tell you, it may, it's possible that the music works even better within the film. It creates a mood. Like when the movie opens up and you have that weird kaleidoscope effect happen the title card, like, the music, it's creepy and ominous, and it sets a tone. And then just how it works throughout the course of the film, even when Ghidorah is, or at least the spirit of Ghidorah, is coming out of that stone and starting to consume people, just how creepy. It's not just creepy in terms of visuals, but the music complements that scene too and making it even really creepy and grotesque um it's the the music even while as, as a standalone experience works really well it works even better within the film yeah it's like when i was listening to the soundtrack too the the night before when we did our final episode of 2018 is that i didn't really get that that whole creepy feeling but once uh, the third and final film of the anime trilogy came out. It's it really uh, not only you saw that whole some of these creepy scenes in that film, but that score really helped made it even more creepy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's masterful. And, it, you know, maybe in, uh, people who aren't uh, hardcore Godzilla fans and maybe pay attention to some of the nitty gritty that, that some of us do uh, may not realize that, yeah, it's the same composer throughout all three films. And like I said in that uh, year-end episode we did here a couple weeks back, I said, you see, a, you, you, not see, but you hear a lot of versatility within his music with this particular score. And just when you listen to the scores from uh, uh, Planet of Monsters to City on the Edge of Battle to this one, you do see his versatility throughout the entire um trilogy that it's the it is the same maestro but he provides unique music to what the 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 themes and the purpose and the tone is supposed to be for each individual film uh that is something that you know has proven to me takayuki hattori and, and I really believe this, even going back to when he scored Godzilla 2000, that this guy is versatile. When he did Space Godzilla, uh, I, I don't think his score was all that great. Some of his themes were memorable, but maybe more infamous, I guess. Uh, but I do remember some of the pieces of music from that film. Uh, they're not some of my favorite, uh, but they are, at, to say the least, unique. But I really thought yeah. when Godzilla, I remember when they announced he was scoring Godzilla 2000, I'm like, oh, no. No, like I was not uh, thrilled about that. But then when I actually listened to the score, I'm like, actually, this is really good. He's shown growth. And then we get to this trilogy and 
he's shown even more growth and even just progressing through the individual movies you know these three movies have come out within what a year uh into at least toho theaters and just even the growth and versatility is just as we progress through this trilogy it's it's really magnificent it's unique and i really love his music throughout this trilogy and even though i wasn't too keen on the score for city on the edge of battle just because that is more somber i'm more of a marches and rousing themes type of person but i can still appreciate that music i can see myself going back to these three scores time and again just to listen to them because it is beautiful music and it's music that uh, is um very versatile it's not sort of the same thing over and over again uh and, and that's something that I've really loved about Hattori and his work with this entire trilogy is that, yes, you do get similar themes because obviously it's the same story. So you have to have some of those themes come back in some form or other. But there's a lot of differentiation throughout most of the musical pieces mm-hmm. uh, in this trilogy. And, that's, and, it, and they all work. They still uh, sound like they were sewn from the same fabric. It's just, they're different enough, but not so totally different that you, um, you know, really think that different composers are doing it. I mean, if you listen carefully, there are some similarities woven into each piece. Or that it's not uh, completely different films, like three separate different films. The score, I would think, I think uh, just so so's like as you mentioned, uh, but so's the entire trilogy together as one, and just kind of kind of has maybe some of the uh, the same uh, elements within the music, but of course more uh, versatile and just yeah, it's just it. It kind of, uh, I would say, uh, goes in separate ways, or uh, I'm I'm not quite sure the kind of word I'm trying to get at here. That um, it's, it, I would say maybe involves, or um, I I don't really know. <laughs> I'm not sure what I'm trying to get at. I'm not. uh, I've kind of lost track of what I was trying to. What that specific word is, it's at it's at the tip of my tongue. I I just don't really know. But it's just like what you mentioned, just really versatile. But um, at the same time, it's keeping this entire trilogy uh, all in one, but not three. Yeah, cohesive. Yeah, yeah, that's the word I was thinking of. Yeah, I mean, it's it's beautiful music, and I know you said that this particular score was on Spotify. I don't know, are the um, other two on Spotify or? Um, I'm assuming they are, but um, they probably are in uh, Japanese. The one that I found here was in English. For some reason, but I can't find the other uh, two on yeah. there. But I'm assuming that they're written in Japanese. Yeah, I mean, I I would recommend to people, and I know again I've said this in 
previous episodes, really seek out, excuse me, these um, scores because it's beautiful music. I, I know it's not Ifukube music, but I think this, the, the music to this particular trilogy is just as good because um, as much as I love Ifukube, the fact that I've heard his music so often uh, over the years, and a lot of it's just been because I watch a lot of, you know, the, the Godzilla films in which his music is present, it gets to a point to where a lot of his music sounds Almost, almost the same almost the same and uh it's gotten to a point where that's worn on me and i really am looking for something unique uh within the godzilla franchise and hattori uh because of godzilla 2000 it was said that he was going to do the score to this i actually unlike with godzilla 2000 when i heard he was going to score that and i was just like oh no when i heard he was going to score the the anime trilogy i'm like all right let's go and in my personal opinion, he has he has not disappointed. I I really think he's done a marvelous job here, and I I, I love his work here. I I really hope that uh, whenever Toho begins to start revving up their their engines again to do uh, live action Godzilla films or even more anime films for that yeah, matter, kind of, kind of like. As they as they put it in one of the articles uh, months ago, their their own Marvel Cinematic Universe, like mm-hmm. with all of these characters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's unique. Uh, what did you think of um, Ghidorah's death? Did you find it satisfying? Did you um, did you find the fe- uh, the possibility that? Indeed, maybe Ghidorah is a god because Metfees was saying as long as you're alive, Ghidorah's watching so that even though Ghidorah was killed, maybe Ghidorah's still actually alive. <laughs> I mean, from now that you kind of mentioned that, uh, the, the first things that have been coming into my head is that maybe these are these uh, serpent-like Ghidorah's Maybe it wasn't, maybe it was just more of an illusion, not the actual or real Ghidorah, or maybe there could be more uh, iterations of Ghidorah himself in this uh, different universe, uh, you know, beyond the void or wherever he's at. And maybe he has, like I said, a. Uh, different forms or what what have you um maybe he's uh, immortal sort of say maybe you can't kill him or anything of the sort and and i know you mentioned earlier that they could possibly have the way that godzilla is still living at the end that maybe they could uh, have left it uh, as an open interpretation of possibly expanding the universe, uh, po- possibly, but um, I'm guessing that probably not. But uh, I would say that uh, that uh, Ghidorah is still out there, and that uh, this wasn't the actual real uh, Ghidorah that came in. Uh, when facing Godzilla, so. 
Yeah, I I liked, you know, albeit again, you know, it's, it, it's a relatively brief battle when Ghidorah becomes mortal, so to speak. Um, but I, I just, I found it satisfying. I like the fact that with each different head, Godzilla did something different to destroy. Like he took one and busted open the, the mouth Kong style. He took another one, and I think his tail like swiped it clean off. And I think another one... Um, he sw- like swiped it with his claw and then one of the the previous ones he took his fire and like blew part of it off and then no he finished the last living one off with this fire that sent it back to the orb finished that orb and then went and destroyed the other two orbs mm-hmm. uh, with yeah, i it. thought i thought that whole conclusion of that battle was pretty interesting I liked it. I mean, uh, again, I know uh, a lot of people have been disappointed with the with the lack of actual battles. But like I said, this is something different. And the fact is that you have you you really have to be invested in the characters and their plight, uh, and and to be able to go with the the moods and and just the overall story itself because you know not everything is going to be a wwe battle royale type thing Mm -hmm. and that's one of the things too like initially i was a little disappointed by that but because i got so invested in the philosophy and the story and the characters uh, within this trilogy i'm like I'm okay with that. I mean, we still get enough to where I'm like, for what we are given in terms of setting up these kaiju, what they're able to do, and just the world that they live in, I'm okay with that. You know, not everything has to be a Rocky versus Drago 15 rounds sort of thing, even though that's satisfying, but not everything has to be that way. Or maybe taking up um, like an entire battle, taking up possibly one third of the entire movie, which most, I would say most of the Godzilla films have been uh, doing for the last several decades. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing too. There are other movies that already do that, you know, and again, I'm again, I want to see something different. And I'm not again, I'm not opposed to seeing like half the movie be a, you know, a rock'em sock'em type of battle. I'm not opposed to that. But at the same time, it's like still give me something unique. Give me something different. And that's been the problem with the Toho films for quite some time is that there really hasn't been a whole lot of uniqueness or when there has it's fallen flat on its face. The execution of it has just been, to say the least, short. And it just, yeah, it, it, you come away empty and disappointed by it. Yeah, right up to uh, the 50th uh, anniversary there with the uh, final war is basically closing out the entire millennium series and with all the fans reactions and then kind of using the same formula that they've been using for those past 50 years, I think kind of caught up with them and it just really wasn't quite working as well as it has done for many years up to that point. And then now leading up with uh, the legendary uh, films. And then now with, um, is it uh, the, the anime trilogy? And then uh, 
uh, take out the Shin Godzilla movie here with the different takes and the stories um, and all that, I think is what's what we're seeing kind of more of a revival of this whole entire kaiju genre is that they're uh, giving it uh different looks and different takes on these characters instead of just using that same formula that Toho has used for those last 50 years with their films. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking that maybe we should go with a different route, different formula with their entire property and, and see if the the audience out there will accept um, these giant monsters or this uh, kaiju genre. And since I would say basically maybe with uh, Pacific Rim, uh, the whole um, the interest with the kaiju genre has been increasing relatively for the last seven years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and and t- and the directors even mentioned in in a, I think relatively recent interview saying that Toho came to them and said, "Look, the, you know, the monster battles really aren't the focus of of this trilogy. You know, we're we're doing something different." And and if that is indeed true, uh, I just have to say, Toho finally is is they, they've got the guts to really say yes we need to do something different and not only just in concept was this whole trilogy different in terms of the representation of the kaiju and the worlds and just the overall story but the focus even as well is so radically different than what we have gotten before and the entire godzilla franchise even when you include the two uh american godzilla films and because, you know, in the past, you know, anybody who's done research on, you know, the Godzilla um, franchise, and especially when you look at the films like Biolani and Space Godzilla, those two films, when they gave the director free reign to do just about anything he wanted to do, those films, from a financial standpoint, didn't do as well as Toho had expected. And then as a result, with the next film... Toho reined it in and said, no, this is the formula you got to do. And then it basically was a stereotypical formula that we're all used to. And again, of course, as Godzilla fans, we love all that stuff and, and, and what have you, um, you know, we're used to that. But then, like I've been saying too, it becomes predictable and it gets to a point to where, you know, even longtime fans such as myself, you kind of get tired of the same formula over and over again. You just you, you have a hard time getting excited about something new again unless you do something different. And yeah, Toho did try to do that uh, with a few of the Millennium films. Uh, I think a couple, I, one of them definitely fell flat on its face. Another one came up short and wasn't all that spectacular either. Um, they even tried things again with Shin Godzilla, but there were major, major issues with that that I think really sort of crapped on the entire legacy of Honda and Tanaka with how they created the character and perceived the character to um, stand for. Um, 
and uh, while unique, again, like I said, there are multiple issues with that particular film. Uh, but here, you know, Toho's realizing we need a shot in the arm. And I understand that this anime trilogy with uh, the fandom at large, at least here stateside, hasn't really been all that positive, which is very sad because, again, I think here um, – finally toho themselves have finally caught up to the fact that look this is a character that's been around for over 60 years you know we have to be doing something different to stay relevant to to bring in newer younger fans so we can continue to make these movies so that we can make money and keep this franchise and this character going because you take a look at any long-standing franchise or character they've undergone significant changes at various points superman's done it batman's done it really all your major superheroes that were created in the, in like the first part of the 20th century and they're still around today underwent significant changes at various points not all of them of course were were, were popular or at least considered popular uh in the later years when some people went back to review them or whatever but then some that weren't popular then over time have become popular now like batman 66 you know i remember various points even i myself went through a phase where i looked at that and i'm like no that's an embarrassment to the character and then as time has gone on i've gone back and looked at it again and i'm like that's actually one of the most ingenious things that's ever happened to the character and you know, every character and or long-standing franchise has has undergone changes because you have to. Yeah, and it's just it's just like uh, you know, I grew up with uh, the whole Dragon Ball franchise too, and uh, and just recently was it uh, four years ago when they revived that whole Dragon Ball franchise, naming it uh, Dragon Ball Super. They've expanded kind of the whole mythos as well as the universe, and it just breathes new life into that whole franchise to where it's bigger than ever. And they've just here, uh, I think this coming uh, week, they're going to be releasing a new movie uh, with one of the characters that wasn't really non-canon but really popular in uh, Broly, who's kind of this uh, legendary Super Saiyan, but making him now canon. And it's just, from what I've been hearing, it's just a lot of positive reviews going on with that and really making this character deeper than he was before when they created him back in the early 90s. And yeah, it's the way that they've uh, reformatted or kind of uh, redid some of the mythos and everything with that franchise has actually made it much better and just breathed new life into it. Yeah, I mean, y you have to do that. I, I mean, you can even see it within the Godzilla franchise itself. Um, some of the changes may be more minuscule than than others, but uh, it, it's undergone changes. I mean, you know, Godzilla throughout the 70s was more kidified uh, than it, it would end up being throughout most of the Heisei era. Um, you know, I, I mean... 
you have to do that. I'm not necessarily saying either that people have to like it, but at the same time, I think fans need to be willing to be malleable to, to that as well and realize that actually these major changes are a good thing because it means that it can attract newer fans, uh, old and young alike, to, to grow the fan base and to keep this character going for, for decades to come still. But... Um, yeah, did you have anything else you wanted to discuss about this film? Uh, nope, I think we kind of covered quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I still could we... go on about various aspects, but yeah, I mean... Yeah, I think I think this is probably the deepest discussion that we've had on a film so far, just, you know, just going over everything to where I think we've pretty much uh, talked about with what we needed to talk about here. <laughs> Yeah, so why don't we go into our final thoughts on this movie, and then let's kind of talk about this whole trilogy as a whole with its overall story. So, who wants to go first? Um, I can I can go first as far as this movie here. Um, with with only two viewings of this movie, including just not long ago before we started this uh, episode here, um, it's the the conclusion of this trilogy is pretty interesting uh, to my taking uh, with some of the assumptions that both Ken and I have discussed about uh, several episodes ago when we reviewed City on the Edge of Battle and uh, some of the assumptions that we've made on this film have come true but some of them turn out to be uh non-existent within this but then also added in some uh surprising and or shocking uh takes uh within this film and with the take on the Ghidorah character um i still don't have enough words to describe it but it is i would say as of right now an interesting unique take on the character just only seeing kind of this uh, serpent like coming out from these uh black orbs not even seeing an actual full um body with only seeing just a silhouette version of a full body version of Ghidorah. But uh, the way that they executed uh, Ghidorah itself is, uh, I think, uh, a new, fresh uh, take on the character itself. I think it breathes new life. And as Kent has mentioned, uh, with it, uh, not being quite the the rival that a lot of people uh, make it out to be, I would say that that part I think breathes new life with Ghidorah in this film, possibly uh, uh, making that title known or kind of making a statement on that title of being uh, Godzilla's rival uh, with it uh, bending time and space and being untouchable and that sort of thing. And it's, it's a really fresh take on the character uh, Ghidorah. 
and the whole conclusion uh, of the film uh well with uh with us kind of pretty much knowing what everything has been uh going on with uh, met fees uh brain and Ghidorah, and then the the conclusion wasn't quite as uh, wasn't quite what i expected uh to be i thought that they would uh build a new uh, civilization or kind of uh, integrating with the whole uh, new versions of humans on Earth and bringing in this whole technology that they've brought along with them. But uh, in the end, Haruo uh, destroys basically everything along with him, uh, with them dying by the hands of Godzilla there. It's it's uh, not quite the conclusion that I thought I had in mind, but it was pretty interesting and in how it all ended uh, that whole entire trilogy. Um, as far as a recommendation, I would definitely recommend it. Um, I would say at least watch the entire trilogy in whole, not in just uh, pieces here and there. Uh, I would say it would be, uh, I think it's a, the entire trilogy itself, total runtime is around uh, four and a half hours, somewhere around there. So it would take a good chunk of your day to watch it uh, in one sitting. So um, I'd, I'd say, I would say do that. Uh, watch the entire trilogy all in one, so you can get a good idea of what's really going on, not in just separate pieces uh, here and there. Like see it one day, and then maybe a week later or two weeks later, you see the other film. Um, to me, I think it doesn't do a, a whole lot of justice. Or just seeing all these films out of order then it wouldn't really make a whole lot of sense in that case. Yeah, I think the order, I think until you become incredibly familiar with the story, because these are very dense stories, I think until you've watched them enough to where you know the story, then it's probably, yeah, you can watch them out of order. Yeah, so I would uh, definitely recommend uh, watching them in order, and I would at least say uh, do it in one sitting for the next four and a half hours. So, so yeah, that's my take on uh, Godzilla, the planet eater. Okay. Um, Godzilla, the planet eater concludes the first Godzilla anime trilogy in thrilling fashion. The plot is fast paced and gets to the point of bringing Ghidorah into the fray. However, those who have been impatient with the previous two films may find themselves a bit so with this movie as well, although not for long. There isn't much of a battle between Godzilla and Ghidorah, but once again, the character stories and arcs are what really have driven this trilogy. Rarely have I found myself so invested in the characters in a kaiju movie or show, and the Godzilla trilogy here has some, if not the best character writing for any kaiju film I've ever seen. This final installment is incredibly emotional due to the wonderful writing and music accompaniment. Maestro Hattori hit the ball out of the park with this film, and again, as I mentioned previously, maybe his best kaiju score work yet. The new look of Ghidorah is quite creative and intriguing while providing awe in the character, something I've never ever felt for this kaiju up until now. 
Haruo's story is touching and a de definite arc of a hero. He's shown his strengths and his flaws throughout this trilogy. Planet Eater is a wonderful emotional ride and concludes a nearly five-hour story. It's incredibly satisfying and one I believe every Godzilla fan should see. This entire trilogy has been tremendously fun and I intend to watch all three movies back to back to back one of these days to see the entire story unfold in one sitting. What Toho has done here is masterful and the best work they've done with the character in years. It's worth watching and of course out of our ranking system, buy, rent, or pass, it's a buy. Um, and then my thoughts on the trilogy as a whole. Uh, again, anybody who has been paying attention really for about the last year when we've discussed these films knows uh, I am a huge fan of this trilogy. Initially, I didn't think I would because, yeah, it's it's so different that you're not used to seeing sort of a slow burn within the story uh, of, of a Godzilla film, let alone really any kaiju film for the most part and this for me you know after watching that first film a couple of times before we discussed it almost a year ago now uh really made me a, a believer in this particular trilogy the story it was telling and where it was eventually going and I just, I love this trilogy. I, I'm really invested in the characters, their story arcs. I love some of the twists and turns this, this took. I love the fact that the kaiju get, uh, get facelifts. And on top of that, some of their abilities are enhanced and, and they, and even to some degree as well, they even get some new abilities as well. Um, as I stated earlier, the, the major kaiju in this franchise, which basically are Godzilla, um, Mechagodzilla and King Ghidorah, they're both incredibly powerful uh, kaiju, which makes it very consistent as far as how the kaiju are treated. They're both, they're, all three of them are juggernauts, and it's just that they have different abilities. Um, it's It's been a wonderful ride, and, and uh, as we mentioned earlier, this final installment kind of left everything open to the possibility where you could continue the story. Where would you go from here? I'm not sure, but I'm sure you could easily fill in something. Heck, Mothra never hatched from her egg, so you could have Godzilla maybe battle Mothra or something like that in the next film or whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, it, there are possibilities here where they actually go back to this story probably not if they do it's probably going to be more in like maybe manga form or something like that i would imagine again it uh, just kind of depends on where they want to go but i don't anticipate them actually uh continuing this story uh at, at this point uh, really at all ever um but it's it's been a magnificent trilogy i've enjoyed the story it's been a been a fun ride. Like I said, I loved a lot of the philosophical dialogue. Uh, it's been a dense experience. Uh, the first two films, especially, you really need to watch multiple times to really get uh, all the information you need because it's world building. This final installment still does some of that, obviously, but it's a, a more fast-paced, streamlined story this time because the first two films set up what uh, basically is unfolding throughout really the entire film here this third and final film um so you know it, it's it's dense i i think it's unfortunate fans at least at this point haven't embraced it because again this is a shot in the arm that this character this franchise really needs right now mm -hmm. uh, 
Um, and I think it's done very well. It's really some of the best writing I've ever seen in a kaiju film. And and, and I really do mean that. It, it's been one of the, the great experiences I've ever had, uh, not just with a Godzilla film, but with any monster film, period, including, you know, your Frankensteins, your Draculas and Creatures from the Black Lagoon and all that. Uh, again, there's nothing wrong with sort of the old formula, so to speak, with the Godzilla films, but it is, it, like I've mentioned multiple times, it does get to a point where it's incredibly predictable and you lose, you, you just kind of become very passive when you watch a lot of those films. Uh, you need something unique. And on top of that, while Toho, again, has tried some different things since 1999 with the character a lot of the execution has fallen flat and a lot of that i think is due to the fact that at least during that period their shooting schedule for films was incredibly short and it um really um you know made it difficult for a lot of directors to um uh, get things executed the way that they would want them to. I know, uh, uh, um, gosh, I for, uh, um, <laughs> um, Shusuke Kaneko uh, with uh, GMK uh, has complained with GMK that he was kind of disappointed in how parts of his film uh, turned out because he didn't like the short shooting schedule for that film. Mm. And, um, and, you know, with anime, I'm not sure how long it takes to create some of these. I know these films more or less came out within the span of, of, of about a year. So I don't know how long ago these films were put into production and how long the writers, um, you know, were, were given time to write the story. Nevertheless, whether it was short or long, the end product is masterful. And yes, I'm going to use that word. Cause like I said, this has just been a, an incredible ride. It's been a shot in the arm that I find to be very enjoyable. And I really hope that as time progresses, that fans will go back to this trilogy and really, um, and really give it a second chance because I really think that this is a gem. This is a gem of a trilogy. I'm really hoping Netflix brings this trilogy out onto a home video relatively soon. Uh, I really want to own this set and, and watch it multiple times. Uh, but yeah, it's been a wonderful ride. I, I really enjoy it and I really hope the fandom uh, tries to go back and, and really see the beauty that is this anime trilogy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's just a really nice, fresh take on not only just the Godzilla character, but the entire uh, universe and franchise. And and like what you said, it's, it's just um, it's just kind of oh, how you say a bit disappointing in a way as far as uh, the fan reaction and everything uh, surrounding uh, this uh, entire trilogy. But um, it's just, uh, and then like what uh, Kent said, it's just a nice shot, shot in the arm, um, basically. And I do hope uh, if Netflix, and I think that they should, uh, bring out the entire trilogy 
in uh, physical form as far as uh, DVD, Blu-ray, and or uh, 4K. Uh, if and when they do, uh, it would be a definite uh, buy for me, and then I hope for everyone else uh, as far as uh, revenue, because then um, if they do bring it out uh, physically and then uh, there's money to be made within that uh, whole area, then they would uh, definitely know for sure, sir. Certain, I would say, uh, for, for both uh, Netflix and uh, Toho, uh, that if uh, if there's really good sales uh, for this uh, trilogy, if it was out on uh, DVD, Blu-ray, and uh, 4K, then they would know that uh, this entire trilogy would be worth it uh, here and. Uh, uh, I was just uh, discussing while you were uh, briefly away uh, there, Kent, that uh, if Netflix did, uh, if and when uh, they've uh, released the f- uh, entire trilogy on a Blu-ray, uh, they would know for certain, both them and Toho, if uh, sales uh, were uh, pretty good with the series and uh, physical form or disc, uh, then they would know for certain that this entire trilogy uh, would have been really good overall. Yeah, and I think I've always kind of believed too, um, and I think there will be some exceptions to this, uh, it, you know. And again, keeping my fingers crossed, hoping that this does happen when they that they release it onto home video. But I, I even believe that um, those who didn't care for it or just didn't like it, period, uh, if it were to come out on home video, would still buy it just because they're they'd be completists. Um, they may never watch it, but they would at least want it as part of their collection. There would be some, yes, that I could definitely see that didn't like it and won't purchase it. But Like what we've done with Shin Godzilla, obviously, you can see in uh, the background there on Kent's shelf. Yeah. <laughs> it's just collecting dust. <laughs> <laughs> it's my dust magnet. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that concludes this episode. Uh, but I'm looking at the tentative schedule here uh, for what we have. Um, let's see. Our next episode will be today's the 12th. Our next episode will be the 26th. And going back to what I wrote up here a number of months ago, our next episode will be Godzilla versus Biolante. So as I mentioned earlier, you know, Biolani was one of those films in which a director was given free reign and unfortunately it didn't do as well financially as Toho had hoped. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're going back, looking at the schedule here, we're going back to uh, the Godzilla well, uh, continuing our revisiting. Um, Jason and I have yet to figure out if we're going to end up going into the Millennium Series. Actually, I have here at some point, yes, we will go back to the Millennium Series after we have... um, several other um movies new films that we have yet to um cover on our podcast here but yeah basically from here on out for the next three six episodes uh we'll be covering the rest of the heisei era godzilla series which i'm actually really looking forward to because um again uh if you didn't catch our year-end episode here a couple weeks back, I was saying that because 
uh, El Rey Network was showing their Godzilla marathon, and most of those films were Heisei Millennium uh, films. Uh, that got me really excited for those films, and that influenced my rankings of favorite Godzilla films. So I, I'm really uh, excited to visit, and of course, Bailane is one of my favorite Godzilla films as well. So I think it's going to be fun to go back and revisit, not just yeah. that, really all of these. Yeah, I've, I can't remember the last time I watched that film, but um, just thinking of it now, I'm kind of starting to wanting to get back into watching that. But then, of course, um, I've been thinking after when we get done with this episode, I want to actually get back into do uh, watching Johnny Sacco and his giant uh, robot. I've only finished one disc of that show so far. And I think that was uh, early last year, if I can remember, or it was uh, back in uh, 2017. It's one of those years, but I want to finally get get back around to doing that uh, show and hopefully uh, get my take on that show uh, in one of the episodes down down the road here. Yeah, I've I've watched that show in its compl- in its entirety twice. Last time was uh, December of seventeen. I got it. I watched it over a period of like four days. Um, it's a really nice show. I, mm-hmm. I like it. Very goofy in a fun way, though. Yeah, so far from what I re- uh, remember, it was it was a it's it's a good show. But yeah, it has a little bit of its quirks here and there. But yeah. uh, that's that's kind of the fun part with uh, with those uh, shows back in the sixties uh, and seventies. Uh, for anyone who's just curious, as far as what we are looking to do after we finish the Heisei era of Godzilla films, we're going to take a break in between. I think we will cover the Millennium series again, um, but we're take we're going to be kind of cutting it up a little bit so after Godzilla versus Destroya, we got Gorath then after that we got Half Human then Super Inframan um, I have Kaiju Potpourri on this but this was because I wrote this to sort of be a map for last year that we may put in a movie there or move Godzilla 2000 up to that spot perhaps we'll see or even the next item the human vapor up in that spot and then godzilla 2000 and then colossal and that's as far as the schedule goes for the moment yeah i think uh, one of these times we should at least insert uh one of the ultra franchises or uh movies in there because i think we've we've rarely gotten around to that we've done uh episode by episode reviews before uh, with Ultra Q and Ultra Man, we did. Uh, did we do Ultra Q? I don't think we did. I, I believe we have, but I think we just did just an overall um, okay. iteration of that review instead of doing a episode by episode in the, uh, the Toku Zone uh, segment that we had because oh, we I did totally forgot about that. Yeah, because we did an episode by episode basis with uh, Ultraman and uh, Iron King, and I think along with uh, Red Baron, maybe. Red uh, Baron, we didn't. Um, I remember talking about that in its entirety after I finished it, like back. Okay, in yeah. Yeah, it was Ultraman and Iron King, which we did an episode by episode basis. 
Yeah, and I know with Ultraman and Iron King, I think we did like chunks of two or three episodes at a time. I think it was two episodes. Ultraman, we did three towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because that's something I've been thinking about too. Because you know, we both have Ultra Seven. You know, that's the sequel to Ultraman, and then we both have Ultra Q. I mean, that's something we could cover for like a few episodes as well. Like cover two or three episodes at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be something to look into. I mean, like I said, that's a tentative schedule. But like I said, there are movies on there we've never... I mean, I think we've mentioned in passing, uh, like Gorath and Super Inframan, but we've never really discussed at length, obviously. Um, I could so there's sworn we've, I sworn we've done Inframan at one point. I'm not certain i think i personally covered it again like on a toku zone but we know okay. that never was the sort of uh, main feature of okay. an episode. gotcha so, so yeah i mean again we can go back and redo the the entire schedule for a bit or, or whatever but right now i think it, it's probably good to just stick to at least right now wrapping up the heisei series and then from there we can make any changes mm-hmm. Um, that we wish yeah because you know that'll cover this next six episodes so you're talking what like the next you're talking about going through like maybe the first part of april Mm -hmm. with that although one of these months will probably be a three episode month so late march early april sort of (laughs) conclusion to the heisei Mm -hmm. so yeah thank you so much for listening we hope you enjoyed it please if you haven't already go watch godzilla planet eater watch this whole trilogy uh Again, if you didn't care for it or maybe didn't like it, please give it another shot. Um, it, you know, um, I think I think it really is masterful. It, I, it just this is something that the franchise needed. It needed some new, really outside the box ideas, and I, it worked, in my opinion. I think it, you know it worked, not just in concept but in execution as well. Yeah. And then uh, also make sure to hit the subscribe button down below the uh, the video player and as well as uh, hit that notification bell uh, to make sure you get uh, any future updates on uh, on our videos, even when we go live or upload uh, videos down the road here and as well as uh, uh, make sure to subscribe to our podcast on uh, uh Apple Podcasts or um, uh, Google Play Music, but if you don't, five star reviews too. (laughs) Yes, and if you don't like to subscribe to either of those things, I just recently updated our site to where uh, below the uh, main uh, news slider there is a uh, audio player. Just right underneath that, and you can just uh, go to uh, daikaijunetwork.com and play our uh, uh, episodes in that uh, section there as well. So you got uh, three different places to uh, choose from. Four if you count YouTube. <laughs> that as well, but you can see us physically right here. So without without uh, the you know the intro, outro music or anything, it's just more of the basic stuff and. The setup as of right now and i know i've been messing with obs but it's just not really doing its job trying to uh trying to get uh kent's uh audio feed from the skype i have no idea why that's the case 
So um, uh, I know there's a another alternative uh, to OBS, but it's uh, kind of expensive in a way, but I would think it'd be at least worth it, but I'm not going to do, um, not going to, look into saving up for that as of right now uh at since i'm saving up for um other things at the point uh at this time uh in this uh point in time uh right now so um so yeah that's we're definitely looking into at least increasing our production of uh the uh the dkm podcast here on youtube live so um so hopefully uh we'll get some stuff uh nice and kind of fancy in a way uh down the road here and uh hopefully uh, add some more content uh for this year uh so yep so just be on the lookout yep once again Thank you so much for watching and listening. We'll catch you uh, in a couple of weeks when we discuss Godzilla versus Bailani. All right, guys. Peace out.